Well, thank you for that uh, introduction. All right, I forgot to silence my cell phone. Hold on. Sorry, that's not very professional. Okay. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. Got everything ready. Last second, but everything is ready to go. I've been fighting all kind of things just to get you all this lesson. It seemed uh, I got sick, uh, you know, I had all kind of problems, uh, but uh, I got it ready, and it's here for y'all. I, I tell you, this is a, a big lesson uh, for y'all to hear tonight. I, the Lord really wants y'all to hear this lesson. It's, it's going to be a pretty deep. Uh, just uh, bear with me. We're going to go through some deeper uh, things, and uh, it's really going to be a blessing to y'all. Uh, uh, what we're going to be discussing is the knowledge of evil. Uh, in Genesis 2.17, it says, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. The Lord never wanted us to know these things. Originally, God just wanted us to be ignorant to it all. Now, God is love, and love is a choice, and God's very nature is free will so he had to have choice he had to give adam and eve a choice now adam and eve has already chose for us they chose to partake and they chose to eat that knowledge of uh, eat the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and because they ate of that what that means is ignorance is bliss it's just not an option anymore we we have to know and a lot of us know the knowledge of good. We know about God and how he's great and, and, and has grace and forgiveness and, and all the good things that come with God. We know about that. But what we need to know and where we lack at a lot of times is we don't know the knowledge of evil. And I believe if even more important to know your enemy, like Brother Brown was discussing in his lesson, it's so important to know your enemy. And it's something we all need to know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of great men of God uh, that really knew God, that really moved things because of their knowledge of God and, and all these things, they fell at one point in their, in, in their career. And it was because they didn't know their enemy very well. Uh, one that comes to mind... Uh, Harold Camping, y'all probably remember this guy, uh, Harold Camping, a preacher and owner of Family Radio, predicted the end of the world on May 21st, 2011. Now, we all know that that didn't come to pass, uh, but see, he knew God very well. He knew the Bible very well, but because he didn't know the enemy very well, he was led down a trail of deception and uh, it really turned out it made all of us as Christians look bad because of the things he said. You know, even me, I've been fooled. Uh, you know, I, uh, I started seeing certain signs and things. I started uh, following these signs like God's trying to lead me to something. And I made some predictions and things like that. And it's a good thing I didn't own a radio station. Because I tell you, I would have made myself look like a fool. But, you know, the word says opposite of that. And, and I tell you, you know, you shouldn't be following these signs. and if I, The signs should follow you. But 
there's, there's things that we need to know about our enemy, and it's important to know. Uh, bottom line, I feel like Christians uh, as a whole, uh, they're just not trying to lose. And nobody's really trying to win. And I think that's what we should be. We should be trying to win instead of just not trying to lose. Uh, let's ask the Lord to help us get victory tonight over the enemy. God, I, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for the people here. God, I thank you for everything you're doing in, in our lives and all the things that are going on. Lord, I, I thank you for the anointing that you've placed on me right now. I feel, I can feel your spirit here with us. Lord, please help me deliver this message so they can understand. And, and Lord, I just pray that they're able to get to newer levels to understanding their enemy, and they're able to be victorious. Lord, we ask you all these things in your son's name. Amen. How does evil work? Uh, one of Satan's main objectives is to get you to sin. He wants you to, he wants to separate you from God, and that's what sin does. When I came to Christ, uh, I still had certain sins that had a stronghold in my life. I would read verses in the Bible like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. As I was, um, I guess you could say, a, a babe in Christ, I would read this verse and it made me angry because I felt there wasn't a way out. I felt that there was no way out. And, and that's what Satan does. He makes you believe there isn't a way out. When a sin would present itself in front of me, you know, I would quote this verse, believing that this verse would help me see the way out or this was the way out itself. But this, this verse is just saying there is a way out. It isn't the way out itself. It's like saying there is a map, but you have to find it. The way out is going to be found through the Bible and how you're able to overcome sin. You're going to find it in the Bible. It's just saying it's there and you need to find it. This is something that took me a long time to figure out. You know, uh, one of the big problems of sin is a lot of people, they're not even trying to escape it. Uh, and that's the problem. A lot of people don't understand the major problems that sin causes in your life. Some people think it's okay to have just a little sin in their life. This is what I have to say about that. I watched an interview the other day that was done by Ted Bundy uh, on the day of his execution. For those who don't know who Ted Bundy is, uh, Ted Bundy was a serial killer who admitted to raping and killing more than 30 women and children. He was suspected of killing over 50 people. Anyways, in the interview, this is what 
he said, and uh, he said this. He said he was raised in a good Christian home by good Christian parents. He wasn't sexually abused. He, there was no uh, alcoholism. There was no uh, drugs. There was nothing like that of any sort. He said when he was the age of 12, he encountered a, a pornographic magazine at a grocery store. And this is the words he used. He said, it snatched me up. And he said that his life, he said, and when they asked him, he said, where did it all start? Where do you think all this started? And he said, that's where it all started. See, that addiction came in, and then things just never fulfilled him to let him to what he did. You know, imagine if us, see, we could go back in time knowing what would happen, and we could tell him something, seeing him grab that magazine and say, no, don't do that. That's going to lead you down to, you'll be a serial killer one day. He'd say you're crazy. Because nobody can see the big problems that come later on down the road. He would have never imagined that was going to be his future as a 12-year-old kid. Never. And that's what small sin does. You think you can control it. You think you have a handle over it. It's the opposite. Sin's got control over you. And that's what it is. There is, and the word says that all sin is the same. If you think you can sin a little bit here and a little bit there and control it, that's just not the case. See, no one starts off murdering people. No one starts off doing heroin. It happens in, in stages, stages. And, and it all starts with just one small sin. And then... It doesn't, it doesn't do the same for them. They have to go to the next level. Before you know it, they don't know how they even got there. One uh, interesting thing, at the end of the interview, he said that he had come to know Jesus, and uh, he didn't think people would be able to forgive him. But, And you could see the sincerity in his heart and his eyes, but he said that he knew Jesus did forgive him. And that a lot of people, you know, that really touched my heart. Know that Ted Bundy, a guy like that, to come to know him, evil as he was. But uh, anyways, you know, the FBI did a study as well. They said the most common interest between serial killers is, is pornography. Galatians 5.1 it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Like I was saying, you cannot control sin. Sin controls you, and that's the biggest deception. That's why it's slavery. You know, in John eight thirty four, Jesus replied, he says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is, a sl is slavery. And when a person is a slave, someone owns you. When you sin, the devil says, I own them. Look what they're doing right now. They're doing what I say to do. 
You don't want to be a slave to anything, and especially Satan. There's no such thing as a slave that has freedom. It's not part freedom and part slavery. There is freedom in Christ Jesus, and Jesus came to set the captives free. So there is no part sin in that. It's only freedom. One point I'd like to make is sin is a choice. Temptation is not. As long as the tempter's here, we're going to be tempted. But sin is a choice, and you always choose when you do it to do it. You don't always have to. And I tell you, sometimes I can't, I don't like to hear people say, I fell into temptation, like, like they tripped into it, like, like they, you know, Satan just tripped them, and they, you know, they just, they just fell into sin, and that's, that's not how it goes. You chose to sin. You chose. It's nobody's fault but yours. Temptation isn't a sin. I used to get beat up when I got tempted. If I got tempted to do something, I used to think that was a sin. I know temptation isn't a sin because Jesus was tempted, and this is a man without sin. He was tempted for 40 days by Satan, and we all know that we deal with temptation, and we're going to have to. That's just going to be like that till the end of time or until we leave this world. That's okay. But sin is something we choose to do. Now, I'm not saying we're going to all go and be perfect now. <laughs> I understand. I understand that. But I want you to know, nobody falls into temptation like the way they say it. It's you choose. Well, the driving force behind every sin and what makes everyone move and every act is emotion. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Matthew fifteen eleven. We're going to read a little bit right here. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. Skip to, skip to verse 17. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So we don't want to sin anymore. And what causes us to sin? That's emotion. Ever heard love is blind? Well, love is an emotion. And emotions can make us do the same thing. Emotion is the driving force behind every action. Jesus died on the cross out of love. People crucified Jesus out of hatred. 
everything that people do is going to be driven behind an emotion. In Proverbs 4.23, it says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life above all things. Satan often attacks our hearts, the seat of our emotions. If he can get you to desire sin, you will just sin and you will be the ruin to your own self. Inevitably, you can't escape when deep down you don't want to escape. A lot of emotion is brought about through the words that you speak, like I was reading earlier. It doesn't matter if you don't mean them. It comes into reality when you speak them. Uh, here are some lies that everyone believes. Uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never will never hurt me. That is not true. Words really hurt. In fact, the words are very powerful. Your words are powerful, even if you don't mean them. I can't find in the Bible where it says, uh, it's okay to say something if you don't mean it. I, don't, I just can't find it. And sometimes we take that to the extreme level where we're really speaking a curse on somebody. I'm not saying this in every circumstance. It's okay to joke around. But, you know, then you hear stuff like, uh, go break a leg. Don't, you know, don't, don't say good luck. Break a leg. Where do you think that came from? Why, why are we telling people to go break a leg? Think about that. I mean, that's just something that I just know that my words are very, very powerful, and, and your words are very powerful, and I wouldn't want to speak that on someone's life. It's okay to say good luck. And so a lot of times I'll tell you, don't speak that on my life. Don't speak that on my life. This statement of break my bones uh, or sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, this statement would be true if there was only a natural realm. But there's a spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, your words are much different. They become assignments in the spiritual realm. Now they become assignments for either good or bad. The word says this, we speak blessings and cursings with our mouth. We do. We do. Now who do you think carries out a curse? And who do you think carries out a blessing? James 3, 9, with the tongue we praise our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in god's likeness out of the same mouth come praises and cursings my brothers this should not be so who do you think's carrying out this curse it could be none other than satan and his host i can't find like i said i can't find anywhere where it says that your words when you don't mean them it's okay These are ways that we've been deceived to speak curses. We are Christians, and I mean, one, venting. This is one that really gets people. They think that they need to vent, and vent in such an extreme way. And usually when someone's in a venting, when they have to vent, they're in a bad situation. So it's a bad situation, 
And especially if it's a Christian, I'm sure they prayed about it. But then what they do is then they start complaining to somebody and start speaking curses over their situation. What kind of faith do you have in God is if you pray for God to help you, deliver you from something, and then you start complaining that he'll, he's not going to come through for you. And that's what you're saying with your words when you vent. See, sometimes we don't need to vent. We don't. We just need to give it to God. He's taking care of the situation. I had lots of things I could have vented about. I tell you, I would not be in the situation I'm at right now if it wasn't for my words. At one point in my life, this is just a month ago, I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job or a truck. I didn't have all three of these things. I never spoke one bad thing about it. I prayed, and I knew God would take care of it. I knew he would. And what I have now is I have a truck better than I had before. I have a job, and I make double, almost triple the amount I made prior. And I have a place to live where the rent is double lower than it was prior. I have everything, and it was all because of my words. And everybody would try to get me to curse my situation. They'd say, there's no way they're going to give you anything for your truck. Because, you know, a man ran into my truck. They'd say, there's no way. And I said, no, I I would say it to their face. I said, no, I rebuke that. I said, they're going to give me more than my truck's worth. And they did. They gave me $2,000 more than my truck was worth. Everything they said, I would rebuke it. I would not allow them to speak that on my life. They'd say, well, the guy that hits you, he's not going to have insurance. And I'd say, no, nah, I rebuke that. He has insurance. And like I said, they're going to give me more than my truck is worth. And then people would say, well, there's no way you're going to get a job. You don't even have a truck. And I'd say, well, I said, no, nah, I rebuke that. I'm going, to get a jo- I'm going to definitely get a job. I was able to get all three of these things. And everybody wanted to curse my situation, and I wouldn't allow them, and I never did it either. It's almost like I couldn't even find it inside myself to do it. And the Lord brought me through so much. I mean, my flesh wanted to complain, especially when that guy ran into my truck. I wasn't even, I was inside. He hit me, he hit a parked car, and uh, he hit and ran. The The guy was intoxicated, hit and ran. The cops called him. They said, well, they're probably not going to find that guy. I said, no, they'll find him tonight. And they did. Everything I said happened, they did happen. Because I wouldn't allow people to speak these curses over my situation. But I couldn't find it inside of myself to speak anything negative. I just couldn't do it. My heart wouldn't let me. And the Lord was trying to show me something. And I really see the power in our words. And it's a faith thing. If you really believe God You're not going to say bad or negative things about it. He's going to take care of you. He's a providing God. You know, uh, a lot of times, uh, sarcasm, and not all sarcasm is bad, but sarcasm is bad when when you're really speaking a curse on somebody. Whatever their strength is, you say, oh, you're the worst at it. You're the worst. I mean, why would you want to say that? I, 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 I struggled with this for a while. I said, maybe I'm being a little, a little extreme. and Maybe I am being extreme. But I just know where, where the power of words are. I, and I just kind of ruled sarcasm out of my life. Because <laughs> I just don't want to speak a curse on somebody. 
it's okay to joke with people. But I'm telling you, hearing those words and those words being spoken, and, and, and our, our, with our mouths, we speak blessings and cursings. I know the Satan is a deceiver, and he deceives people. Knowing all those things, I just want to stay away from it. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, and this, this is another thing that people, uh, we refuse blessings. We refuse blessings. Oh, don't jinx me. You know, uh, if, you, if you say something good's going to happen to them, they'll go and stop you right there because they don't want to be jinxed. And people believe in jinx. And I tell you, I don't know if you do, but it is a, that's a lie. There is no such thing as a jinx. That is a complete lie from Satan. It's a lie. That is a blessing, and you should accept it. So thank you for that. I believe it too. I'm telling you, you know, uh, I, I've heard that so many times, you know. Oh, everything's going to go just perfect. Oh, don't jinx me. <laughs> and that's what people in the world are do. But if we don't watch out, that kind of mindset will come into us, and we'll start thinking those same kind of ways. <laughs> Uh, James three three, if you have your Bible, turn there. I want you. To, I want you to look at this. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. And what he's telling you is your mouth is what you say is your destiny. People who don't even know Christ are positive and they're seeing the benefits of it. And it's really bad us as Christians to not be speaking only positive things, especially on our lives, the lives of our loved ones, and everything, everybody around us. Speaking blessings on people isn't something that we don't do. We got the world cursing more than Christians are blessing. And that's the problem. I always, I always want us to say, I like to, what I've been starting to do is, you know, I just speak a blessing over you. I just say, I bless you with this and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of say it on people because I think that we have that power. It's something we don't really exercise in. And just to give you an example of how powerful the tongue is, when I was a kid, when I was a younger kid, I don't know if it was reverse psychology which is another thing that I don't think is can be can be a little extreme, and you could be speaking a curse with that one too. Just you got to find the balance is the bottom line. But when I was a kid, this is what was spoken over me. It said that I would I would never finish college, and I'd probably work construction work one day. That's what was said to me. I went to college. I did great. I made A's, A's and B's all semesters. Every semester, I knew that last semester was going to be hard. I just know. I just knew that. Oh man, that. And I would always say, "Well, I'm doing good now, but that last semester is going to be hard." I got all the way to my last semester, 
had three classes left, actually. I, and I couldn't, I couldn't pass. I couldn't, I took it again. I couldn't pass. I took it for the third time, and I failed again. And I never finished college. I never finished. And because deep down inside, I never believed I could do it anyways. Because that was spoken on my life as a child. And it came to reality. Now, I don't believe that that still holds today. I think because now I'm a, I'm a Christian and I understand, I think I could go now and finish. I know I can. But I don't think that's where my heart is anyways. But because that was spoken on my life, you know what else was spoken in my life? You'll probably work construction work. That's probably what you'll be end up doing. And guess what I'm doing right now? Working construction work. It all came together. I don't know if it's a coincidence. I don't think it is. It all came just like it was said. But before even emotions, before even the words you speak, before you even sin, you got to find where it starts. Uh, has everybody, has anybody heard of the ortho product, uh, product Weed Be Gone? Uh, well, it's a weed eliminator. You spray it on, you know, different weeds and it kills the wheat. Okay. Now, Weed Be Gone made it on the market. I mean, it made its name on the market because what it did, its formula targeted the roots so you wouldn't have the same problem a month later. And by doing that, they've made a real good name for themselves, and that's why they're really one of the top brands out. Other companies have kind of copied what they're doing now. But they're, I think they're one of the first, or at least I'm saying they are. <laughs> but... Uh, What I'm saying is, you got to find that root source. Where's the root problem? And your root problem is your thoughts. The thought, just a simple thought. That's where everything starts. Scientists uh, examined the brain, and they made a discovery. They said certain thoughts automatically trigger emotions. There were nerves that would permanently attach to a thought. If your brain or, or whenever the thought would occur, emotion would automatically come. An example would be uh, if you have a thought of a, a, a loved one that passed that you haven't gotten over with. Just the thought brings the emotion of depression. Well, in the same way, the thought of sin brings about an emotion. And Satan can get this to happen for you, which is one of his plans, to get you to automatically want it, just the thought of it. He's got you. It's a good thing, though, we have what they call the renewing of the mind as a Christian, and we have power to overcome that. Your brain's like a computer. You can just reprogram it, especially if you're a Christian. You, you have that option. But... This happens, though, when you have emotions immediately tied to just a thought. This happens when constant dwelling over a thought. When you constantly dwell over a thought. And this is why the word says this, Philippians 4.8. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Or don't think or dwell on bad thoughts. It's like venom. And the more you think about it, the more it sinks in. So when a thought occurs, do this. Uh, everyone, I want you to turn. This, is, this has become my favorite group of scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10.3. If you got a pen, I want. Are you underlining your Bible? This is where you're going to want to underline. Or if you got a highlighter, okay, I'm just joking. But for though we lived in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's where it gets good. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Whenever an evil thought comes to my mind, I say this verse out loud. I say I take captive of that thought and I make it obedient to Christ. I stop right at the root source. I don't let that dwell in my mind. I don't let that venom come in. Before you know it, if you if you don't take care of this in the root source, you be you become the next Ted Bundy. I'm not joking, because it was just a thought that wasn't dealt with correctly, and that's what happened to him. You know, in uh, Proverbs four twenty three says, "Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life." The the Cruden's concordance says one would be right to use the mind in place of the heart in this passage. To guard your heart is to guard your mind. It says to guard your mind. It's important. That's where it starts. It all starts. Nobody does anything without thinking about it first. It's always a thought, and that's where it all starts. You know, every day we fight spiritual warfare. If you want to or not, we're fighting it every day. And if you want to be effective... You need to suit up. Paul said this. He said, he said this. He said, put on the armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, this isn't like a parable or an analogy. He's telling us to put it on. He says, put it on. Now, you think you're going to find some armor at uh, Lifeway. And it says, you know, breastplate of righteousness and, and you know, that's not what he's talking about. This is spiritual armor that you cannot see with the natural eye. But when you say these words, it's like this spiritual armor comes on you and helps you defend yourself against the enemy. Um, Ephesians 6.11, it goes over the whole thing. We're going to read it. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when you when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, and then let the belt of truth buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted and the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When I, when I, I go to work, I wear still toe boots, hard hat, safety shield, uh, safety glasses. I wear a fire retardant shirt. I wear these things because that's what I'll be dealing with that day. Like I was saying, we deal spiritual warfare every day. The way out of sin starts with the root source, and it goes just like this. It goes thought, emotion, action. That's how every action takes place. Thought, emotion, action. God has already tried to tell us to put the spiritual armor on so the enemy can't penetrate our mind. We can't have evil thoughts. We can't have these thoughts. But then he even gives us another chance. He says, well, whenever a thought does come to your mind, to take captive of your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Then after that, he says, don't dwell on those thoughts. He says, only dwell on good thoughts. This is something I realized. You can't have a good and a bad thought at the same time. You might, you might sometimes, things might seem impossible not to think about, especially something wrong, and you're like, how can I do it? One way to do it is just to redirect your mind to something else. I like to redirect it to the Bible. If I'm reading the Bible, I can't be having sinful thoughts or evil thoughts. I can't. I just can't possibly be doing that. By redirecting, by speaking it out loud, and now that I've been speaking, it's even more powerful for me. It's like uh, the enemy tries to give me thoughts, or, or I have these thoughts come to me, and I'm like, no, nah, that can't be true. I, I take captive that thought, and I make it obedient to Christ. I say it every day. I say it three or four times a day, and it's really done a lot for me. I see things now more clearly the way God wants me to see them. I, my flesh doesn't rise up to the occasion. Even when I'm right and, and someone is being wrong to me, I can see the way the Lord wants me to see it. Now, I'm not saying to let people use you. I had somebody recently, uh, he, uh, he pretty much was, uh, he pretty much, he went, he's trying to go back on his word on something that we had an agreement on. And I got angry at first, and I said, I said, no, I take cap to that thought. I had this bad thought. I'm going to go tell him, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I take cap to that thought. I make it obedient to Christ. But I could, it seemed like I couldn't shake it. And I think the Lord wanted me to tell him that it's not okay to go back on your word. So you've got to find that balance. The Lord will direct you. But I believe that we can hear the voice of Satan. I believe that. Now, that seems a little crazy, but just like we can hear the voice of God, I believe people hear the voice of Satan but don't even know it. And that's why a lot of us can't hear the voice of God because we're too busy listening to what Satan says. 
Satan's a liar. He can't tell the truth. That's why you need to suit up. And then even after that, like I said, you have so many chances to stop it. You can take captive of it, make it obedient to Christ. You can not dwell on it. The words you speak, all these things. And if you can do all these things, you'll have victory over everything you do. It's that simple. It's thought, emotion, action. One thing I've noticed before I let you go, if you dwell on it a little too long, it's a little hard not to go to the action. If you think about something, oh, so-and-so did me wrong, and you think about it too long, it starts to grab a hold of you. And if you're trying to stop it at that point, it's going to be difficult. That's why you got to say no. No, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to dwell on that. The word says we can do all things through Christ. So anything that says can't in it, you can just not believe it. Just make it a beating to Christ and then turn around and say the truth. And that's what happens. Let's, let's all pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for everybody.